Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sisters, Liz Dolan in Santa Monica, California. Liz, wait, are you in Santa Monica? Are you back? No, I'm not. Oh. I'm in Bend, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> we're very close. I know there's, no, we're, we're I very know there's close. no way over Skype to know, but yeah, I'm in Bend, Oregon this week. <laughs> As soon as I said that, I was like, I don't think she's actually at home in Santa Monica. Okay. Because we saying... really don't talk to each other when we're not on the podcast, right? <laughs> Even though I saw you in Oregon last week. You uh, did. You I... left me here just a few days ago. All right. Okay. Uh, good to hear your voice again, Liz. Good to, good to hear your voice. And Julie, you're in Dallas, Texas. Julie, you've had a tough week. Yes, I have. Leanne and Liz. We lost one of the best this week. Uh, my good friend, Linda Corey Ducruet. She was one of my dearest friends. I've known her since college. She was my junior year abroad roommate in Paris, and she died way too early of pancreatic cancer. She was an incredible friend, but, you know, it's almost, it's too much to describe here on the, on the podcast. But what I wanted everyone to know was she was an original, a true blue satellite sister. You know, when we describe what a satellite sister is to people, sometimes we use the example of, you know, she's the person in your life that you go to with your wacky career plans. Well, Linda was the person that I told that, oh, my sisters and I were thinking of doing a radio show, <laughs> you know? She was the one. Yeah, yeah. And rather, and rather than saying, you know, like, are you kidding? You know, because none of us had been in the field of radio. You know what she said? She said, I love it when you get together with your sisters. You are all so fun and entertaining. And when we started our show 16 years ago, she was she was a guest on the show because we had no real guests, so we had to invite all of our friends to be on the show. So That's she came right. on the show. That's right. I forgot about that. I, I had forgotten show. about that too. Yeah. She was a fake call-in listener when we started <laughs> call-ins. I was like, Linda. You have to call into the show. Nobody's calling into the show. Right. And she just was a constant source of ideas and helpful comments. I would talk to her all the time and say, hey, what do you, what do you got going on? You got anything? You know, because we always had things to, to fill, you know, we always had time to fill on the radio. And we started with Satellite Sisters on public radio with their interminable pledge drives. But, you know, I could always count on Linda. And she bought everything. She bought the Satellite Sister coffee mug. She bought the T-shirt. And she even bought the premium level Satellite Sister fluffy bathrobe. Yeah, yeah. You know, she, she read all of our books. She bought all of our books. And she turned up at every possible public event we ever did within 100 miles of our house. She was there last fall in Brooklyn when we were launching You're the Best, a Celebration of Friendship. And this spring when she got so sick, it was her devoted daughter that would drive her from Connecticut into New York for treatments. And she told me 
that they always listen to the satellite sisters. She Mm -hmm. said the conversation kept her calm. She said she just liked to hear the sound of our voices. So I can't make sense of why she's gone. But I do know one thing today, and that is it's usually how we end our show. But I just want to say to everyone uh, today, don't forget to call your satellite sister. Liz and Leanne. Yep, she will be missed, Julie. She was full of light. I was thinking the first time I met her, I was 10. You know, you guys had come back from Paris, and I thought you were so chic. I thought you were so chic. Not so much now. No. Well, they were in contact. You were. Contact. I mean, you yes. had those espadrilles on that laced up yeah. your ankles, and you were wearing sundresses, and Linda just was so beautiful and stylish her whole life, and she always smelled good. You know, didn't she wore great perfume, and she was a really like a hugger and a double cheek kisser. So when you saw her, you just you got a good whiff of her, and she just smelled wonderful, and she was just a light. You know, someone you were always. Yes happy to see always happy to see yeah she she will be missed i think all of us were sad but you know to lose a friend like that julie that is that's not easy to to get through so we're happy that we could talk about her today because she was very very special um yes she was this weekend in the new york times there was really i thought a beautiful piece in the style section about condolences and I may- saw that, Leanne. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just the time in our life as we age that we all of a sudden we are losing friends, friends are losing partners, friends are losing parents. You know, there just seems to be many reasons to write condolence letters. And I just recall after mom and dad died, I was so surprised how many people sent me cards. I, I don't know. Why? I mean, I I know it's the thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But I don't think I had really been on the correspondence of condolences before. And it was such uh, something I really treasured. So I was really happy to see this piece in the Times because the sentiment was exactly that, like, send something. Like, that is one of the obligations of friendships. And they said it lightly, but in, like, go ahead and send something. And it can be the week after someone loses someone, or it can be three months. It can be on a birthday or an anniversary. There's no sort of time limit on this because, as you know, grief lasts a long time, you know? Yeah. You're yeah. just, it's just as meaningful to get a card six months later as it might have been six days after the event. And they had a couple of specific things, you know, just say, I'm sorry, share a yeah, positive I- memory about the person. That's a lovely idea. Just what do you remember best about them? What stands out in your mind? Don't make any comparisons. (laughs) That's something that people naturally do. They get tongue-tied and they'll say to, you know, someone who's lost their spouse or a child, oh, I, you know, when I heard I did X, Y, and Z. And of course, your, your sadness can never compare to a parent or someone who loses a spouse or a good friend or a sibling. And the other thing they said was don't dodge the D word. Like, it's okay to say die, death. I'm yeah. sorry no, about I your parents' I agree death. with that, Leah. I do too, I, Liz. Yeah. I, I've noticed that, that since mom and dad died, that's the word I use, is that my parents died or when I'm in conversation with people that I haven't seen for a long time. I just don't feel right about, you know, they passed away or I don't even say I lost my parents. I just say my parents died because that's the way it really feels. It right. feels like they died. Right. And that's a very different kind of feeling than this sort of vague uh, description. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and then, you know, don't, 
Facebook is not enough. Put something. I know. In, I put mean, some, that's, and that's okay. True. It's birthday. It's okay to write, write yeah. happy birthday, but and it's fine to put something on Facebook, but it isn't enough. I mean, there is just the power of a personal note or of a card can really provide so much comfort and support. It's it's amazing. And I think what happens is when you lose someone, you realize that you, you're able to sort of pass on that feeling. You know what I like? Like. I, I do that more now than I ever did before mom and dad died. I'm like, oh, I get it. That's hard to lose your parents, to lose a spouse. I, I knew it. I knew it before, but to actually have been through it, I understand what a really wonderful gesture, a condolence note is, a condolence letter, showing up at a funeral. Those things are actually very, very meaningful. So I bring it up just because, you know, you lost a great friend and, and you need sympathy. And, and I think people get nervous in the face of death. They don't know right. what to do. They don't know what to say. They get tongue-tied. But I'm sorry, you know, he or she was a wonderful person. You know, I'm thinking of you. That's always appropriate. Always mm-hmm. appropriate. That's you know, right, Leah. Um, Linda's cancer, it just took her so fast, Julie. Holy right. cow. Right. That was unbelievable. Right. I mean, yep. she was vibrant, a new grandmother. Uh, all, all these wonderful things were happening in her life. And when you told us in May, I couldn't believe it. And when we, you sent the email this week, I, I just couldn't believe how fast that was. And it's a reminder that, you know, cancer does not discriminate. You never know how long you have with someone with cancer. Uh, and this week, once again, I'm the MC uh, for a fundraiser here for our local community, Cancer Support Community in Pasadena. And it's an organization that provides um, all kinds of support for patients and families of cancer, um, cancer survivors and victims. And it's all free of charge. So you can go there. You can go to uh, support groups. You can go to yoga. You can go to Tai Chi. You can bring your kids. They can go through support group for kids whose parents have cancer. It's all the services are free. No one ever writes a check for anything. So this is the sixth year that I've done this ladies' night out. It's this fundraiser where it's all women. <laughs> it's kind of the crazy. It's a crazy I fundraiser. It's an amazing thing, Leon. I wish. <laughs> I, I think we should have more all. Yeah. I think I'd go to it. I mean, that sounds what did you actually do, Leon? I know you were, are you an auction auctioneer again? No, or is it, I, I know I you've done to, a comedy show. No, or? I've done though. I've done both those things. I've done, uh, Sheila and I did a, you know, a comedy thing for them. I was the auctioneer for three years. I had to retire that crown. It was too stressful. Last year, <laughs> I, not a good, I, I can't sell anything, Liz. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I did my job as the auctioneer. It was very stressful. So this year I'm the MC. I do a lot of introducing and setting things up. And, you know, I rewrote the show flow yesterday. You know, I did all that. Of course. Um, yes, yes. But our special guest is actually Alana Stewart. And, you know, rock and roll princess Alana Stewart, married to Rod Stewart and George Hamilton. But I bet you didn't know she was Farrah Fawcett's best friend. And when Farrah well, got cancer... Alana Stewart dropped everything and spent the last three years of Farrah's life with her, taking Isn't her to that, I did not know that. Yeah, who knew that? That is a very dedicated friend to do that. Yes, so. it is. A real satellite sister. So I've been reading her book, uh, My Years with Farrah. She now is the president of the Farrah Fawcett Foundation. And, you know, Farrah Fawcett died of uh, anal cancer, which is, you know, just one of those things. No one's doing marches for that. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and, but all those HPV 
uh, cancers, they're all related. So that's what their foundation focuses on. And uh, she's very active in the cancer support community around the country. And so she's coming to speak at the event. So I'm, I'm happy to introduce her and hear what she has to say about, you know, being a real satellite sister to, to Fair Fawcett. I think it's going to be interesting. But it's just a reminder that, you know, our friends are important and you should call your satellite yep. sister. Julie, it's a good Absolutely. reminder. It's a good reminder. Okay, we have a full show, and this one's for Linda. Uh, we have a new sponsor, a couple of new sponsors, so you're going to be hearing from them. When we come back, uh, Liz, you went to your work reunion, and uh, yes. that's unusual. People mention, like, who does that? Who goes to a work reunion? Well, you did. I did it. I did it. I, I love work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Julie, you uh, you've got you've got some breaking news on body language. So yeah, that's you thought you knew it all about body language. No, we're going to take it to the next level, sisters. So you can really be the leader you always wanted to be. All right, we have a roundup from the Facebook page. Liz wants to name a new satellite sister of the week this week. I have a week three of the empty nest. I'm going to give you an update on that. But first, a word from our new sponsor. back with the satellite sisters Leon, liz and julie here um all right you guys it's now week three of the empty nest and first of all we're back home like we were basically on vacation the first couple of weeks so it didn't seem Should I to pretend it wasn't really happening yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's again, I know I'm not in denial. It's just there is a reality to it. And it's frankly, it's weird. I mean, it's just freaky that no one else is here with us. <laughs> it's so quiet, isn't it, Leanne? I mean, that like nothing happens in the afternoon. Nobody comes home. There's uh, really, if you don't need to cook, cook dinner at all, right? No, I can see that. In fact, dinner becomes yeah. really a burden, like just yeah. a pain in the neck because like your go-tos, you know, at our family, I had two teenage boys. So it's basically what goes with steak and potatoes? What goes with chicken <laughs> yeah. and potatoes? Like that was it. So when the whole, like it's a wide open dinner field, you're like, now I don't know what to make at all. Like even wandering <laughs> through the grocery store, it was like, all the food I never have to buy again, like cheese nips, you know, I mean, call them up cheese nips, but I, I know, I know, Leanne, you mentioned last week that, you know, you don't like to buy a lot of like those, uh, the, you know, the, uh, food that you find that's prepared right, I know. You know, and that you just, but I was thinking, I bet she's going to start to like that <laughs> once she's an empty nester. Cause you don't really have to cook. And once you realize you don't have to cook, you never want to cook again yeah. or only want to cook for special occasions. Yeah. I can see that. My strategy is like to pre-make some soups and salads. I was explaining the strategy to my husband last night. I was like, all right, it's, it's, we're not going to be like grilled meat and potatoes every night. I'm going to make some soups. I'm going to make some salads. <laughs> if I'm here, if I'm not here, you help yourself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. I mean, seems we're, harsh. We're just spending endless amounts of time with each other. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and last night we went to bed at eight thirty. That is sad. That is sad. That is sad. I just yeah. You're gonna have to come up with some kind of late night hobby or like show that you love at nine p.m. that you absolutely can't DVR for the next day, Liam. Yeah, you just, just gotta push helpful. through. 
Because guess what? I was wide awake at 1 a.m. Like, well, I've already gotten five hours of sleep. Just get up. It's just, just, I mean, it's not just an empty nest. It's like instant aging. Like, whoa, now I am that person. So, uh, yeah, I just got to, I got to rethink some things. I got to plan some things. But it is just really weird that it's just the two of us. I know. I'm sure I'll get to the point where I love it, but right now it's disorienting is the word I would use. Yeah, Very disorienting. I think that's true. I mean, you should take your time, Leanne, yeah, because it, I mean, it is a, a giant life change. I mean, people don't talk about it that way, but I mean, you had been doing one thing for 18 years, yeah. which is sort of, you know, raising your two sons and you were on it 24 hours a day. And now you're like, okay, that's done. Move on. You know, and you had organized your whole life and everything you did around that, around your family. So, so yeah, you've got to take some time, Leanne. I, you've got to do. I do. That, those are, that's, those are my two bits of advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought well, it was yeah, just, it reminds me, it reminds me of the very first time we ever interviewed Anna Quinlan. And she talked about how her favorite time of the day, you know, she'd be home writing all day as a novelist, which is also what you do. And she said her favorite time of the day was hearing that thunk downstairs of her kids coming home from school and just dropping all their stuff in the hall. The backpacks go down, everything goes down. And that, that thunk was sort of a sign for her, like, okay, she could stop writing and go do the other job, which was being a mom. And now you have no thunk, right? Are you trying to make me cry? This has already been a tough show, Liz. Okay. You just I just wanted you to feel like you and Anna Quinlan have something in common. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> we do. No, I, I thought like people suffered from the empty nest when they were just those hovering helicopter parents. And I, I didn't think I was one of them. But yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. Meanwhile, he seems fine. I actually talked to him for a half an hour on Thursday, my younger son at college, totally fine. So well, that's, that's, good. that's, that's excellent. Good. Right. I'm very, very happy for him. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's all good. It just is a big adjustment. And that's yeah, the first straw to fall. I can see is dinner. I can see that right now. That's <laughs> first, first thing to go. <laughs> all right. Well, I had, uh, speaking of, you know, what I've spent most of my life doing and I'm now no longer doing, uh, I had a little reunion over the weekend. I mentioned this on last week's show that I spent 10 years of my life, pretty much, let's just call it the 90s, uh, spent the 90s uh, working at Nike in Portland, Oregon, originally in the PR and corporate communications department, and then ultimately in marketing. But the PR people were really my original peeps, you know. So um, somebody in the department decided that staging a reunion for anyone from corporate communications who wanted to like come home, just hang out, have fun, that that would be a good idea. And uh, normally, if I still had my day job, I would not have had time to attend this. But, you know, I got nothing to do anymore. <laughs> so, so I just thought it's about like a life adjustment. You, yeah. Yes, it is a life adjustment. And uh, so anyway, so I spent uh, Friday and Saturday in Portland, Oregon at a reunion with like half of them were my actual former colleagues and the other half are people that have been in the department much more recently like than that like like in this millennium <laughs> so, 
But um, one of the guys who was in the department now runs an agency in Portland, and he took it on to organize the whole thing. So that's the number one thing you need for any kind of a reunion, whether it's a family reunion or a work reunion or a friend's reunion or a sister's weekend. You know, you need the instigator or organizer, right? Yes. And oh, so- yeah. Yeah. So luckily we had uh, Lee doing that, but it was really, really fun. People came in from all over, all over the U.S., but also several, several international locations. You know, somebody came in from Japan, somebody came in from Holland. I mean, people who flew in just for this. Oh, so, wow. Yes. So what did you do? Did you just all get together and work? Did you work on another <laughs> new campaign? <laughs> I mean, strategize. Did you did you spitball <laughs> some stuff? Flip charts. Yeah, yeah, there flip were some, yeah, some strategy workshops, some uh, PowerPoint presentations. Uh, uh, it was purely social, Julie. Thank you. Okay. The okay. Uh, uh, Friday night. Some of them had arrived the day before. I didn't roll in until Friday night. We just had a big fun dinner, and well. The big issue in preparation of this was uh, name tags or no name tags. Of course, I'm totally for name tags. Yes. I was I was terrified I wouldn't remember anyone's names or even remember them at all. You know, <laughs> like even even if I saw <laughs> or you, I might not recognize them. They could look yeah. differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You were so, the best boss, Liz. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> So, so the good news is the name tags had people's names on them. The bad news is that the name tags also had your years of service. Uh, So uh, when my friend Judy, who was in charge of the name tags, had emailed me about what, what years was I there? I was like, I was actually there from 88 to 98. And so I, I wrote that to her and I said, or you could just put a million years ago. (laughs) I mean, in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I started in 1988, I'm sure there were people there who were not born in 1988. So, oh, wow. That's rough. Yeah, that's rough. But I'm kind of, um, you know, employee zero of the department. I started the department. So like somebody had to be first and it was me. So, uh, so that was, once I got over that, that was fine. And then we had a big dinner on Friday night and another big dinner on Saturday night. Saturday night included the uh, slideshow of all of the stuff that uh, people, photos that people had sent in and collected over many years. And as, as I had said, I think on last week, shower in the Facebook group because I was there during a time when the camera phone had not yet been invented. <laughs> right. I mean, the cell phone hadn't been invented. I don't even recall having a laptop until about halfway through those years. Yeah, there was um, no digital photography. Like no, no, no. in the beginning of that, it was actual film cameras. Yeah. You would yes. have had to carry yeah. around a film camera to capture memories. Yes. Which, which some people did. But not, not me. And but luckily we were sometimes we were at events together and sort of by happenstance photos got taken. Anyway, so I, I didn't have anything to contribute to that. But um, people did have some good stuff. So all around, super, super fun. And very interestingly, you know, you want to see like 
what have people gone on to do and be? And you get all caught up on like the personal side of what they, you know, how many kids they have or how many countries they've lived in since the last time you saw them or, you know, and people are doing really, really interesting things. I was very, well, surprised, but I guess it kind of makes sense because of the nature of the company. A lot of these people are running their own businesses now, Yeah, you know, because it's sort of, it was a, it was a company that did, um, especially reward people with like an entrepreneurial roll up your sleeves kind of spirit, you know, cause the company was much, much smaller now. You know, when I started at Nike in 1988, it was an $800 million company and it's now, I don't know, like $32 billion or something. So like it was anyway, so people are very hands-on and they have their own agencies. They live all over the U S and in different parts of the world. So uh, like overall, just, Super duper fun. I just so Liz, did you hand out the podcasts that you and Leon did uh, of your interview with Phil Knight? It seems no, like a schedule. That, no, that's what I should do though, Julie. I was thinking that would be a good follow. It seemed like a little self-aggrandizing in the moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, on the other hand, though, we do record in our closet, so it's not that self-aggrandizing. It's not. It's not, <laughs> it's not that grand. No, it's really not. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, that's true. I did. But it was a reminder, given that I'm in this major life transition that I'm really going to need to work on the answer to that question. Like, so now what do you do? And so, you know, of course, I would tell them about this. And they're like, and? I'm like, no, no, this is really so much more successful than you think. I, I, I think more than once I said, are you kidding me? It's the golden age of podcasting. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> wow. Spoken like a true communications professional. <laughs> and a pod, did you tell him you were a podcast pioneer, Liz? That I did not. I did not mention that. I put that in the category of things that you want other people to say about you. That's why you put that in your bio so other people can read your bio. Yeah. The, yeah. Actually, say the words. I am. I am a podcast pioneer. <laughs> you don't think you can? Do- I don't know. I don't know. I'm anyway. going to try that at the next gathering. So did someone offer you a job and lure you away from Satellite Sisters? That's mainly what I want to know, Liz. No, 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 no. That's but it is, you know, I, you know, you said it's it's weird to have a reunion with your work people. I know that that's a little bit unusual, but I recommend it. It was really, you know, these are such formative years. It was basically my whole 30s, right? That's right. what I was doing. And so it was transformative for me personally because it was that age of my life. It was a time when Portland, the city of Portland, was changing so dramatically. So, you know, as the the Portlandia song goes, the dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. Well, we actually were there for the 90s in Portland. You know, so uh, there was that. And it was a very transformative time for the company. So, you know, I think on the whole, people have really um, great memories of that. And just like you, you know, like our sister-in-law, Laura, goes to her summer camp reunion every few years, even though, you know, she's what, in her late 40s now? But those, those are <laughs> early 50s. So, oh, that's right. She's your age. She's my age. She were exactly the same age, born two days apart. But, you know, I mean, Laura has these camp reunions and, you know, maybe some people think that's weird, but it's not weird because you have such great memories of those years. And that's the way I 
feel about those years and that job. So I recommend it. If you have that, chances are you have an emotional connection to the people you worked with at some point in your career. So there's no law that says you can't get together. You don't need to be embarrassed. So I say uh, just do it, people. Go go for it. <laughs> Very nice. Good advice. Good advice. Well, I Liz, I – this next um, article I read, I thought of you and I thought of you, Leanne, because I think of you both as leaders, leaders in your own way, that you're natural born leaders. But this was a, a, a new article about body language and how certain small nonverbal cues can really speak volumes. I, I love these body language stories because it seems like it's easier to adopt than any, you know, like a real skill. Like you could really improve yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have to. You don't have to tackle a new body of knowledge or just, you just got to stand up straight and you can be doing better. So that's, that's good. So here's a, here's a list of body language that, you know, they've looked at for, for leaders in business and in the communities. Number one, you got to, you've got to hold your head straight. Do you know this, that if you turn your head, uh, tilt your head to express interests, that's wrong. That's totally wrong. It, um, it, you know, you should avoid at all cost tilting or cocking your head to either really? side. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> that this, it, and when you do that, it, if particularly if you tilt it back, it suggests arrogance. Okay, and I guess if you tilt it to either side, it it suggests a confusion, and you don't want to do that as a leader. <laughs> you don't want to communicate confusion. All right, okay, so sense, gonna, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, okay, so how about a smile? Do you think if you're a leader, you should have a smile? Do you think you should smile to the people you work with or the people that in organizations that you come in contact with? Yes or no, sisters? It sounds like a trick question. So like, <laughs> yes. I, I'm going to say yes, even though I, I think it's no. I would say yes, but there's obviously a limit. Yeah, too much smiling. It's weak. It, it, it's, it seems weak. That's, that's the, what the research is suggesting. So you have to use your sp- smile sparingly. And when you smile, the only, you should focus on like having it grow as the conversation goes on. So you start very tight and then as people are talking, you can smile a little. <laughs> and at that point, you totally forget what they're saying. And you're so focused on managing your smile. Can I just say, I think that's a complete no win for women. You know, and I think we can see that in a lot of the like debate performance reviews yeah. that we've seen yeah. over many, many years. Not not just Hillary Clinton debating. But it's like you're either smiling too much or too little. It's a, it's a total no win. I take your point, Julie. I just don't know how you know you've hit the right mark for for level of smile. I, I think you have to practice in front of the mirror. Okay. The same with eye contact. That's so authentic to <laughs> smile the way you would when you're looking at yourself in a mirror. I thought authenticity was the number one nope, nope, thing we're really on, going for here. No, it's not on the body language list. Liz. No, just practice okay. that smile. Same thing with eye contact. Now here's, here's the latest thinking about uh, eye contact. It is not, you can't have too little eye contact, but however, you cannot, you can also not have too much because that creates the stalker stare. You know, do Wait you know, people, so you cannot have you, so you can have too much. You can have too much and you can have too little. Okay. Yeah. It's very hard to get this right. And here's the other part that when you do, um, that, uh, one of the experts suggests that you focus on a triangle between the eyes and the forehead. Are you, you've got that triangle going there and that, 
particularly in a business situation, but in any kind of professional situation, you should not let your eyes go any lower than that. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. you should not be looking at the mouth, the chin, and heaven forbids you're looking at the decolletage. Okay. I mean, just heaven forbid. Okay. Uh, well, again, that's that's kind of a no-win situation too. But here's here's the challenge with making eye contact that I find because I'm a big, big believer in eye contact, especially for women because we have a tendency to look down or look away, and so I like to really make powerful eye contact. But then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I have to break away, and now it's too much. Now it's too much. I have to break away. You you know? Do you ever have that conversation with you? Like, okay, when do I get to like look over in another direction or something? Yes, yeah, someone else talk. Someone else talk, so I can look away. Look away. Yes. My eyes hurt. My eyes hurt. Okay. I think it's pretty clear. You should. You know that you should not be using pacifying gestures such as touching your neck or pulling on your shirt or adjusting your your bow on your blouse, Leon. You know, okay. which I guess women okay, are wearing. <laughs> yep. If I ever wear a blouse, I'll I'll do that. <laughs> okay, but here's well, don't you I... think that most of the time when people, when especially when women are doing that, those are unconscious gestures. Yeah. So yeah, I guess, yes. Yeah, you I guess the it. first trick is being conscious of your. What did you call them? Pacifying gestures? Huh. Pacifying gestures. You have to remain calm. You can't show your anxiety. You can't, you know, you have to stay calm and in control and just don't touch yourself. Okay. Now the next one, the only area where you can touch yourself, <laughs> and I had to look this word up because steepling, you should all be, both be involved in steepling. Okay. Do you know what this what is? is? That? No. This like is- holding my hands in a steeple? Yes. Like here's the church and here's the steeple. Open the door and see all the people, you know, like that yeah. little game you used to play. Well, apparently steepling with your hands is a very powerful, confident gesture. And our president, President Obama, does this quite a bit. He does quite a bit of steepling. But uh-huh. this is a very good move. And that um, and it works well in, in lots of situations because it suggests this confidence, this authority, uh, and that your audience picks up on the steepling right away. But you have to have a good manicure or you can I was just thinking that. You know, if you have short, stubby fingers, you know, President Obama has like long, elegant fingers. If I could just get a finger extension and then a perfect uh, manicure, uh, that would help. Okay, steepling. I always think of steepling, though, as things that nuns do, you know, like it just seems like a nun like. It worked with them. They were authoritative. They were in control. Okay. Okay. You did not doubt who was the leader because of their steepling um, activity. I think it was the outfit mainly, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, when you give us an address, give a speech, give a talk, Leon, I, you should always be on the move, right? You shouldn't be stuck behind a podium, but you shouldn't move too much. Okay. That's, that's the thing. So move a little, but not too much. You should create some presence with, with your speech. You do that, Leon. when you, you know, through. I think I do that, but I do like a podium. Mainly I need a microphone. So yeah. that's because what I've found is most people in America can't hear. So <laughs> I'm just saying a lot of people can't hear. So I do move around. I'm not stiff behind the mic, but I don't get away from the mic. I, I enjoy the mic. But there's there's movement. Yeah. Now I'm going to try some steepling, actually. I'm going <laughs> to work that in to my wild hand gestures. You can work. And then, of course, the power of the pause. Speaking slowly, 
pausing makes leaders more authoritative. Okay. The faster you talk, the less authoritative you appear to your audience. That mm-hmm. I believe. I, yep. There are a lot of women that are guilty of fast talking. And so oh, I am totally guilty of fast you talking. You are, Liz. You're oh, a fast yes, talker. Yes, you are, Liz. You're yeah. totally guilty of fast yeah. talking. You well, have a lot to say. You say many good things when you're talking very, very fast. But, <laughs> you, but perhaps do a little steepling. That will yeah. slow it down, slow down your pace. Mm-hmm. So was any of this helpful? Will this change any of your body language? Well, I'm, well, I'm going to try the steepling and I'm going to, so you're supposed to like lock your head in the upright position. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try okay. that. Okay. Yeah. And the eye contact, try the eye contact. That will be good. And just no, 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 don't touch yourself when you're talking. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, I hate to be a total Hamill fan about this, but you know, the, one of the major musical ideas that comes back again and again in Hamilton is Aaron Burr telling Alexander Hamilton to talk less, smile more. <laughs> and I just want to point out, Hamilton ended up dead. Right? He's, he's the one that died in the duel. So, <laughs> okay. but, but I like it. Okay. Yes. I think there are some very actionable items here. Julie. Yeah. I think that's actually a pretty good list. <laughs> Okay. I was trying to show you I was talking slower. Oh. You were talking like so I don't know how to talk slow. I just don't know how to do it. I'm going to have to practice staring in the mirror. <laughs> uh, okay. It's good on the radio to talk about body language, too. <laughs> you don't know what we're here doing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to say what I'm doing. All right. <laughs> I'm tilting my head like a German shepherd. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's so cute when they do that Uh, okay okay are we moving on to another scientific yes yes we are it's time move on i I would call body language vaguely scientific but this is we've got some actual science here that lee and you and i both uh, had this on our minds right yeah the earthquake warning we received this week liz yes so this was big headline in the la times Risk of big earthquake on San Andreas Fault rises after quake swarm at Salton Sea. So this was last week. Uh, The rumbling started Monday deep under the Salton Sea, whatever that is. I had to look that up. So that's apparently a very shallow, salty lake. Yeah. That takes up like most of the interior of California. It's very big. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) But what we had is a rapid succession of small earthquakes, three above magnitude 4.0. They began rupturing near Bombay Beach. No idea where that is, but I looked that up, continuing for more than 24 hours. So over the next 24 hours, we had 200 earthquakes that got recorded. So the seismologists were like, this could be a sign, right, Leanne? Yeah, this, this, <laughs> that the big one could come. And they gave us a timeline, like 100 days. Just, I mean, the earth has really? been around they for said that? hundreds okay. yes. of millions of years, like a hundred days. Really? I don't, it just, it sent me into a total panic, Liz. Yeah. Well, we're, apparently we're hundreds of years late for the big one. Yeah. Right. right. But Julie, I mean, your husband is a geologist and I feel like we've talked about the big one a lot and, yes. and that he seems to believe like we're not going to get any morning at all. Like 
that's the just by definition the big one is just going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. But he said it's coming, and he told you to prepare, right? I know. He told you to prepare multiple times, and yeah. That... So I've been in a state of readiness since I moved to California twelve years ago. I looked at they, of course, reprinted the end of last week the list of everything you're supposed to have, and uh, and I have all of it. Uh, and I have it both at my home and in my car. I've doubled up on my earthquake preparedness supplies, except for one thing. Apparently, you're supposed to have a whistle. And, yeah, that, yeah uh, I was surprised at that. It's mm-hmm. a good idea, well, a whistle. When you're, when you're under the rubble. That yeah. Yes. You had it around your neck. It might help. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but then wouldn't you have to wear a whistle all the time? Yes. Like, isn't that the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, okay, what if I have a whistle in the trunk of my car with the rest of my earthquake supplies? It's not going to do you any good. No. not going to do me any good. Right. So I'd really have to start wearing a whistle... At all times, both in my home and on the road. And maybe that's why I haven't bought into the whole whistle part of it. But everything else, I'm pretty good. I'm I'm pretty good to go. Leanne, how about you? Well, this week it did did spur me to, like, once again, check. Because you do those supplies and then sometimes they go out of date or the water goes rancid. So I checked again. And the other night we were in bed at, what, like 7.15? And uh, (laughs) I I got up. My husband's like, where are you going? go, I forgot to put shoes by the bed. He's like, what's with you? I said, the earthquake's coming. I forgot to put shoes by the bed. You know, they always say keep a pair of shoes by the bed in case there's glass on the floor. And then he came home yesterday and I had all the flashlights in the house out. I was testing all the flashlights. Like, okay, (laughs) we have 100 flashlights in the house, 99 of which don't work. So let's get this. (laughs) Well, this it seems like for the empty nester, this should keep you busy. Should Just keep a little busy. doomsday prep for you. <laughs> I, I think you could really go deep on this topic, Leanne. Just, my husband, though, you know, he's a math fan. And he was like, you know, statistically speaking, it's probably only one tiny uptick from where we were a week ago before there was the warning in terms of, you know, along the lines of what your husband said, like, it's going to come any time. And Barrick's like, you know. Okay, so there were a few earthquakes, but really, it it could have come last week. It could have come two weeks ago. It could come three years from now. It's not going to come in the next hundred days necessarily. But that hasn't stopped me from from getting those shoes by the bed. Remember that, people. <laughs> You're oh. going to be ready. Well, it says the San Andreas Fault's southernmost stretch has not ruptured since 1680. Yeah. So that's more than 330 years ago, and a big earthquake happens on average in this area once every 150 or 200 years. So we are way overdue, as Julie's husband keeps telling us. But (laughs) I just hadn't really heard of the swarm concept either, like swarming small earthquakes. I didn't realize realize that was the thing. Uh, Anyway, the so we'll be ready. where Where does that leave you? I'm just, I hope this is this podcast is not prophetic in any way that, you know, we'll be listening back. <laughs> well, I have a lot of fresh flashlights and uh, I'm going to keep gas in my car, which I hate doing, but I'm going to keep gas in my car. I have a lot of uh, old cans of tuna fish. Yeah. And, uh, but, but I have loads of dog food. So, oh. you know, which is for Ferris, of course. Oh, but okay. But in the event that the tuna goes bad, worst case, I eat a little dog food. It's not going to kill me. I'm Um, sure Ferris' dog food is organic. (laughs) 
right. Okay, moving on. I want to say all this month, we, the Satellite Sisters, are going to be working with Children's Miracle Network, which is we're very, very happy to do. We want to tell you some stories about some of their miracle kids. So we're going to take a break now. We want you to take a listen to this story of a miracle kid and show your support. We're the Satellite Sisters. We'll be right back. I'm Liz Dolan, here with my sisters, Leon Dolan and Julie Dolan. We are the Satellite Sisters, and we want to tell you a story about Cooper and Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Cooper lives in Minnesota. He suffers from an incurable neurological disorder called dystonia. I've never heard of it before, but it causes Cooper's body to twist and shake uncontrollably. Simple tasks like tying his shoes or eating a bowl of cereal become really difficult and frustrating. And you can imagine his family has tried everything, medications, physical therapy, even Botox injections, but things got worse, not better. Finally, with the help of Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare, part of the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, Cooper got the chance to try an advanced treatment that really did help. Cooper underwent a rare and complicated deep brain stimulation surgery. That's DBS for short. Maybe you've heard of it. A medical device was implanted under his chest to help him control movements through electronic signals to the brain. Gillette Children's Hospital is one of the few in the U.S. that can even perform this complex surgery. Today, Cooper can pour a glass of milk, brush his teeth, tie his own shoes, and the thing he loves to do more than anything else, fish with his dad. Why are we telling you this story? Because we want you to help us create more Coopers, more kids who have gotten the kinds of help that has so dramatically improved Cooper's life. Children's Miracle Network Hospitals can do this. They have 170-member hospitals that provide 32 million treatments each year to kids across the U.S. and Canada. One in 10 kids in North America is treated by a CMN hospital each year. Maybe you know one. Cooper receives care from rehabilitation, neurology, and neurosurgery specialists at Gillette's Complex Movement Disorders Clinic. All of this with help from CMN Hospitals donations. So here's what we want you to do, Satellite Sisterhood. We want you to go to our special URL and donate what you can. And here's that URL, cmnh.co forward slash sisters, cmnh.co forward slash sisters. And we encourage you to do that. Maybe you know a kid or a family who's been helped by a CMN hospital. Tell us that story. Again, the special URL is cmnh.co forward slash sisters, and that's a .co, not .com. We've also posted the link at our website, SatelliteSisters.com, on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group page and on Twitter. All this month, we'll be rallying the whole Satellite Sister community, asking for your donations and telling you more stories on our podcast of kids who have been helped by Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Please put your money where the miracles are. Thanks. You're the best. We're 
We're the Satellite Sisters. We're back wrapping up the show here. A couple more things to talk about. Liz, you wanted uh, for the second week in a row to award a Satellite Sisters of the Week, I understand. Yes, I did. I think this needs to be something that we get back into the habit of doing because, you know, there is so much role modeling going on out there, Leanne, about what it means to be a great Satellite Sister. And uh, so our Satellite Sister of the Week this week is... James Corden. Okay. And <laughs> I approve. I don't know why, but I, I, well, I, I would give him he, any award you want to give him to. Yeah. But here's why, Julie. Here's why. You know, one of the biggest news stories of the last couple of days is the robbery of Kim Kardashian in Paris. And I'm sure you guys all heard about that, right? Yeah. Well, that was really terrible. It was terrible. But people immediately started a she's she's kim kardashian uh you know and b kanye like charged off the stage in the middle of a performance to go when he got the word that his wife was involved in this terrible crime so that's just inspired lots of people uh in social media to say lots of super snarky things and we did snark is not the tone of voice of the satellite sisterhood Right. We really try in general to stay away from the snark. Yeah. So the reason there's occasional occasional snark snark and usually we apologize and feel awful about it. (laughs) I would say that's also fair to say. (laughs) Yes, that is fair to say. But but our man, James Corden, you know, we've been on his bandwagon for quite a while. Uh, Here's what he tweeted after the news came out. He said he wrote. People making jokes about Kim Kardashian tonight would do well to remember that she's a mother, a daughter, a wife, a friend. Be nice or shut up. That's a good one. Don't you think that's a good one? Yeah. It also also reminds me of our mother who always said, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything. So, but it was, but I. I think he's right. You know, like it's sort of easy to take pot shots at someone like Kim Kardashian. But when something really scary and dangerous and bad happens, I think you could bite your tongue a little bit. Just be nice or shut up. Thank you, James. That's why you're our Satellite Sisters of the Week. I think that's good. I don't think you should say the word shut up. But other than that, I approve of <laughs> Something our mother also said. She, she, she said you couldn't have everyday manners and Sunday manners because you might forget what day of the week it is. So just keep that in mind. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I thought that was but, a terrible robbery, though. I mean, it was a huge security failure. I mean, imagine. I know. That was a- well, I guess they were in police uniforms. Uh, and so I was reading this morning at, B- at the BBC site that they were saying that one of the one of the items that they think was stolen was the gigantic uh, diamond ring that Kim had and that she had posted on, uh, you know, social media wearing this big ring and what was going to happen to that. And uh, they interviewed a number of experts in stolen jewelry who said that for a ring that size, first of all, it would have a special laser marking on it on the inside of the diamond somehow so that uh, it could be traced. But uh, most people, if they were going to steal a a diamond that large, would also probably uh, know how to uh, erase the laser marking. And also they would probably cut that one large stone into smaller stones because you could never try to sell the King uh, Kim Kardashian diamond to somebody else. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah, just so they were really, you know, they thought that whoever, 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 you know, whoever are the bad guys in this, that they have moved, you know, that, and if they did get that big diamond ring, they probably would have done something with it already. They wouldn't hold on to the ring. Huh. Just, just in case you were thinking of, of picking up like, like a giant robbery, diamond ring, robbery, Liz, in your next phase of your life, you should know these a couple of sort of key facts. Yep. Okay. In case I wanted to be a cat burglar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Satellite sister of the week, James Corden. Thank you very much for reminding us that sometimes just being nice is is the way to. And if anyone ever wants to nominate your own Satellite Sister of the Week for for model behavior, that's what you can do on our Facebook group. Just, you know, make any suggestions that you want. So speaking of which, there's been a lot of activity on the page there at the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. So there were a few that I wanted to mention because it really seemed um, in the spirit of the week to me. The first, as long as we're talking about things our mother used to say, Jessica uh, posted something. That she said to her daughter that um, uh, that I really liked. Uh, she wrote parting words to my daughter as she left for her SAT. One hit song, Clara. All we ask is one hit song. <laughs> and then she put thanks to to Jim and Edna. Well, Jim and Edna, our mom and dad, used to say that to us all the time. <laughs> you know, this is I, I like this application of the rule to yes. the SAT, so Jessica. <laughs> yes. I, I thought that was a good one. Then Sarah posted a very cute sister's picture. I don't know if you guys saw this yet, but she said, my three sisters and I take a little trip every couple of years. This year, we stayed in a little bungalow in Monterey, California. But the, the picture she's posted here, they're at Hearst Castle, which, you know, I've driven by many times, uh, Sarah, and never stopped there. Now I've got the time. Eh, maybe I'll stop there. <laughs> But here's here's the important thing. She said, we have very different lives in different cities across the country. We have very different opinions about religion, politics, and life values. We have very different families. However, we set everything aside for a few days every couple of years and tour a different part of the country. We shop, eat, play cards, drink good wine, and giggle into the night. So, you know, I just there's more of the message that you can read if you go to the Facebook group. Um, but she ends it by saying, uh, it's time to put aside our differences and judgments and just be sisters. And that is uh, a quote from the woman who was running the inn where they were staying, who thought that maybe she needed to reach out to her own sisters. So that's a nice one. Congratulations, Sarah. Uh, and super cute photo. You know, we've been doing a lot of uh, gathering of family photos in our family, especially our mother and her three sisters used to take a lot of sisters pictures wherever they went. So that really reminded me of that. Then, Julie, this one's really for you. Danette uh, posted a link to an organization that uh, encourages civility. I love called- it, Liz. I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. So it's tolerance.org, and it says, Speak Up for Civility, Teaching Tolerance, Diversity, Equity, and Justice. Uh, but here's a pledge that uh, that she posted that she recommends. I pledge to discuss this election with civility to treat people whose opinions differ from mine with respect, and to focus on ideas, policies, and values. I will encourage others to do the same. I will speak up when I hear name-calling, stereotypes, and slurs. I will do this because children are listening, and it's important that adults model good citizenship. 
So that's the civility pledge from Danette. What do you think I of think, that? I think we can all agree on it. It's a hard ch- challenge. It's hard. Yep. It's very hard. So, but I think it's a very, uh, it's a very good goal. And she's right. Children are listening. Children are listening. Okay, next one. Speaking of children, and you know how often I like to volunteer uh, opinions about what to take your children to. <laughs> Child rearing. <laughs> you should recommend having, no, having my, no children myself, I, I, I always will admit that my uh, my observations are um, unreliable. Let's just say that. Anyway, uh, uh, when I said on the show that I thought the movie the queen of Cotway was really great and everyone should go see it. I also said, I think it would be appropriate for kids too, but I'm not sure. So anyway, Jennifer posted Liz's review of the queen of Cotway inspired me to take my boys ages six and eight to see it yesterday. Oh no. No. Hey, Hey, I told them I was going to take them to see a movie that I wanted to see, but I thought they'd enjoy rather than the typical cartoon for kids that I have a hard time sitting through. I'm so glad we went, Leanne. Oh, okay, I was good. The, I good. was on the verge of tears many times, but it was it was a wonderful movie, and they liked it a lot as well. So it's not just me. It's Jennifer. Again, uh, this is not my area of expertise. I was just happy that there was one other person in the world that um, uh, that thought it would also be appropriate. There. Now, it may be that you decide it's not appropriate for your kids. That is your right. But uh, thank you for making <laughs> me feel better about, about that crazy recommendation. And then uh, one last thing, because I know you guys, you have so many excellent uh, TV recaps going now. Yeah. Uh, you know, Darlene had never watched Dark, but she wrote that after listening to uh, All About Dark on Satellite Sisters... I watched all of season one in the last two days, and now, now I'm getting going on season two. Uh, so, uh, so good for you. So, you guys have inspired her to like throw in with Poldark. We're very proud of that. And Julie and I will be doing both a Poldark recap and Madam Secretary is back. So we have two TV recaps that we will be recording separately and releasing separately. This week. I mean, that's just a lot of TV watching, isn't it, Julie? I mean, it's careful TV watching. You I can't, know. I know. You really got to pay attention. You got to sit up on the couch. You can't lie down to watch this. You got to no. sit up on the couch and we take notes. <laughs> so so we're watching along with you. I, yeah, we're watching along. Madam Secretary's back. Poldark's back. Those podcasts will be posted. Um, we usually post them on a different day so they don't. Uh, uh, than than this Satellite Sisters podcast, so they don't overlap and people don't get confused. Mainly us get confused. So uh, <laughs> so I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad you're with us on Poldark. Yeah, that's easy to stream that Poldark. If you don't, even if you don't have PBS, it's easy to stream. Easy to stream. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think she said she found season one on Amazon Prime. Okay. So uh, the uh, so we recommend that. Okay, that's that's some of the roundup from the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. But of course, you can join that group whenever you want. Uh, just search on the Satellite Sisters; that will come up. There's our there's our page that you can like, which is where we get to post information and shows and things. And then there's the public group, and that's what you want to join. Uh, and then you can also make your recommendations to your Satellite Sisters and anything you want to tell us, like nominations for Satellite Sisters of the Week. Go for it. Oh, last week's Satellite Sister of the Week was Kathy Douglas. Yeah, and she's been posting the last couple of days. Uh, from Africa. She climbs Mount Kilimanjaro next week. 
And uh, so she's posted a couple of observations uh, from where she is, from the camp where she is out in the middle of nowhere already. So if you're on the group, you will be getting reports uh, from Kathy about her uh, attempt at Kilimanjaro. It's very and, exciting, isn't it, to see those posts? I like it. So It's very Don't exciting. And she has trained super hard for months. So on her post yesterday, Julie, she was noting that other people in the camp where they're staying are like drinking alcohol at night. And she, she, she gave it up months ago to get ready for the climb. So she's skeptical of these people, uh, <laughs> you know, who haven't trained as hard as she has. So we'll see. I'm sure she'll have a few opinions about that when she comes home. All right, that is uh, this show for today. Any what? Anyone doing anything fun this week, Julie? What do you got happening? Anything? Uh, I have some. I have some major babysitting this week, Liz. Okay. Uh, and so that is always fun to be with my grandchildren. Right. Good, good, Liz. What What are you up to? Well, part of the reason I'm in Bend, Leanne, is because this weekend is the 13th annual Bend Film Festival. So I'm very excited because the I haven't been in years. And now here I am. It starts Thursday night. And the fun thing about film festivals, if you've never gone to one, they're just there are obviously lots of different movies you can see. And it's fun to just walk into a theater knowing nothing about the movie or the filmmaker. And some of them are documentaries and some of them are, you know, scripted narratives. Some are short, some are feature length and just sort of see all kinds of creative work that people are out there doing. So I'm very excited about that. Monica is going to come down this weekend. So we are the guest of honor at the Bend Film Festival this year is John Sales, great indie filmmaker, John Sales. So one of the screenings they're doing on Saturday afternoon at the Tower Theater here is one of his most important movies was The Return of the Secaucus Seven, which is basically like an indie big chill, right? right. If you've seen that, yeah. yeah, super good. Anyway, so he'll be here with one of the stars of The Return of the Secaucus Seven, uh, Maggie Renzi. They're both going to be here for the screening on uh, Saturday afternoon and to do a Q&A afterwards. So I'm very excited. Just, you know, and a lot of the other tickets I have, just I like seeing the shorts. Like there's a whole program that is shorts about the Northwest. Well, that's fun. You're not going to see that anywhere else. No. So that, no, you're not. So that, <laughs> we're not. We're not showing that in Texas, Liz. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, so that's my plan. Basically, just you know, I'm in training for the film festival. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I what think you got going, Lynn? anything good. Well, I got the ladies night out. So uh, working oh, on okay. that. Got that's on Thursday night. So I got to work on the script and everything. And, you know, there's just prep prep for that. So I'm working on that. And then that's pretty much and then that's it. I have nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> get used to it. <laughs> I'm going to get used to it. All right. We are the Satellite Sisters. You can find literally years worth of shows at iTunes. Uh, if this, if you're new to Satellite Sisters, there are lots and lots of shows there. We've been doing this for many years, and we're happy to have you along. We'd like to thank uh, our sponsors, Smile Direct Club. Remember the special URL and also Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. We're really honored to be working with them, and we ask you to support the people that support Satellite Sisters. We appreciate it. All right, everyone, have a great week. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, as Julie said, call your satellite sister.